0: I want to give a shout out to, man, David Renfro and Pete Gregory are completely awesome, amazing people who are like unsung heroes in this church. And I want to recognize them because every day through, or one of the days throughout the week, one of them is up here doing some kind of general maintenance at the church. And y'all will never see the work that they put in, the things that they do. Ladies, when you come to us and say, hey, we got a rocking toilet on one of the stalls and one of the bathrooms. That's the most common request that we get. They come up here and they fix mirrors. They tighten down uh, stalls. They do all this thing and they get no recognition and don't want recognition. But I'm going to blow that one out of the water. So if y'all would give them a hand clap of praise if you when you see them. Tell them thank you for all that they do. And so as we jump into the scripture this morning, John chapter 4, verse 5, we are in final jeopardy, which is the title of today's message, and the Bible says this, so he came down to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field of Jacob that he had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour, and a woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And the the Samaritan woman said to Jesus... How is it that you, a Jew, ask for me a drink, a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God. And I want to stop right there. God's got a gift for you this morning. If you're in the house today, I believe God's got a gift for your life. He wants to bless you with something. He wants to impart something into your life. He wants to speak to the Spirit of God on the inside of you. He wants to touch you immediately, change you eternally. He wants to give you a gift of some kind this morning. And Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty and have to come here and draw water. Repeat after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I'm ready. Speak to me and change my life in Jesus name. Amen. And so I want to do a quick recap of last week where we were because Jesus is talking about this gift that he wants to give you and he wants it to become a spring of water welling up in you to eternal life. But later on in John, he jumps into John chapter 7 and he's talking to the Jews at a feast and he says this, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me. So he's saying the same thing throughout the gospel of John here. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and give me a drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And so that's the heart's desire of this church is to have rivers of living water flow out of your life that will transform the world around you. And so I want to encourage you this morning that the water of the past will not quench the thirst of the future the water of your past will not quench the thirst of your future and what do I mean by that the water that got you to where you're at in your spiritual walk will not quench the thirst of where God's trying to bring you in your spiritual walk the water that you came from and dipped in at the well was great but I'm telling you there comes a time when you got to get past drinking from the well and go to the fullness of the river that he's calling you into and the water of your past will not satisfy or quench the thirst that he has for you in the future and if some of you are feeling spiritually unsatisfied this morning this may be the reason God may be intentionally causing thirst to come into your life to get you out of your current situation on the way to your final destination. Amen. He's going to get you out of your current place, out of your current situation, out of your current trial, circumstance, whatever it may be, because you've been drinking from the water of the well. But can I tell you, as you started out at the well, his fullness is at the river and he's trying to get you to get out of your current place and begin to turn and look to what it's gonna to take to get you to where God has called you to be. And so now real quick, I wanna recap what I did some last week, and so I need seven volunteers. Jason, can you come back up here? Jeremy, can you come up here and help me this morning? Aaron, can you come help me? Gavin, can you come help me this morning? Charles, can you come help me this morning? Jeremy, can you come help me this morning? I think that's close enough to seven if it's not seven. Do I need one more? Are we there? Hunter, jump on up here and help me this morning. And so, Jeremy, I want you to stand where you did, right there at the well. And I want you to stand right here and stretch your arms out wide, and then y'all just join hands all across the stage. Stretch your arms out wide. And I talked about last week, we got to love the place where the Father is leading us, and there is grace for your place. There is grace for whatever particular place you are in in your spiritual walk. I remember the time, Charles, when I got born again. I remember the time when Jesus touched me immediately and changed me eternally I remember that moment in my life I was completely powerless there was nothing I could do to change my circumstances there was nothing I could do to change my situation I remember my great place of need my great place of depravity and the only thing I had left was to call out on an almighty God who gave his son the Lord Jesus Christ for me and in that moment I remember my place of need back here and this was my place of grace I was the woman at the well and she was in a bad situation she had five husbands and the one she was was dealing with was not her own she needed a place of grace amen Uh you were in a place of grace when you got born again and I want to encourage you to think back to that moment when you got born again because in that place of your grace somebody was there to lead you to the Lord Jesus Christ in that place of grace amen I never forget on June 22nd, 1988, I received the Lord Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And every year on June 22nd, I shoot a private message to the man who led me to the Lord Jesus Christ. He pastors a church down in South Texas. His name is Mike Mayhew. And I say, thank you. My life has ever changed because of the work you did. And when I was in the place needing some grace, God had a man right there beside me to lead me in that moment. And in my place of grace. But you know, when I started out in this place of grace, hungering, thirsting after the things of God, it wasn't good enough to stay in this place of grace. And I began to grow in my Christian faith and grow I in my Christian that. walk. <laughs> and you should too. And I went from place of grace to a new place of grace to a new place of grace right. to now I'm in this place of grace. But the problem many of us run into is this. When we seem to be moving along in our Christian walk and we get this to this place of grace, something begins to occur. And in that occurrence... We turn from it being a place of grace, and it turns into this. The spiritually arrogant look back and think those are spiritually ignorant. And in that moment, there is no place for that grace that they need. And we look back and we say, well, I just wish they would grow up in the Lord. (laughs) Well, they may not have financial issues if they would get with Jesus and just quit smoking and start tithing. Come on, you've been there. I, I'm speaking real this morning. And we have a place of spiritual arrogance in our life, and we have no place, no grace for their place. But when you were in their place, aren't you glad somebody was there in that place of grace to get you to your new place of grace? So, as we grow in our place of grace, as we move forward in our place of grace, we can't forget to look back to somebody who may be in that place and reach our arms back and stretch out to them and grab hold of them in their place of grace. Because guess what? Somebody's already farther than you and they're tapping into the fullness of the river down here. And they're not looking at you in arrogance, but they're saying, Come on, Jason, it's time that you take the next step into the new place yeah. of grace, into where God's called you to be. I don't want you to stay stuck here where you're at and become spiritually arrogant where you look at the people and you think they're spiritually ignorant, but begin to look forward as you're reaching backwards, grab somebody in that place of grace, because God's fixing to take you to your place of grace. And so in the church, in the house of God, as we move forward as a church, as we press into the fullness of all that God has for us, we've got to remember that we're in a place of grace. Uh But I can tell you, if you're still living on this earth, you haven't stepped into the fullness. And so there's always something more you can do to to grow in Christ. There's always a a greater depth of revelation that the Father can give you. And the minute you think you've exhausted an inexhaustible God, you've messed up and stepped into a place of arrogance. And that makes you the place of the ignorant. Y'all give them a hand clap this morning as they're being seated. And so as we go into this message this morning, I want us to talk about final jeopardy. And Final Jeopardy is where they stand alone and it's what they do at the end of the time when the show is done. And at the end of the time when the show is done, they go out and they throw out a category. And as they throw out a category, the contestants have a few minutes to think about that category. And as they think about that category, then they have to begin to, as they see the category, they've got to make a decision. How much am I going to put on the line? How much am I going to step out there in the knowledge of what I have about this And step into it. And my question is, do you have enough in you to put it all on the line and win it all? And what is a win for a believer? A win is this. It's when you step into the next level of fullness where he's called you to be. Are you going to put it all out there to step into the next level of fullness? See, a lot of times we say, hey, we want to win in the church. And we don't have any clue what the win really is. The win is not the be all end all. The win is stepping into your next place of grace to stepping into a greater measure of the fullness than you were in the yesterday. And so I want you to have wins in your life every single day, stepping into a new place of grace and to a new place of fullness of God in your life. And so as we begin to, if you would, open your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter number 2. As you're doing that, they're going to throw a picture on the screen that I want you to look at. As they're putting that picture on the screen, it's an illustration that I want us to walk through today. And on this picture... You have the kiddie pool on the bottom, and you got a scuba diving adventure on the top. You have a pool on the bottom that costs $10.99. You got the adventure of a lifetime up top that costs $10,000, $999. What's the only difference between the cost? It's where the decimal's placed. See, some of y'all are putting a period where God puts a comma. Some of y'all are putting a period and saying, this is all the farther I can go, period, when God said, I just need to move the decimal place and make that a comma. Yeah, right? yeah. See, because you hadn't stepped into the fullness of all you're called to be. Yeah. See, when you look at that picture, the difference in the price is separated by the decimals, not the comma. Because the decimal is the what denotes the dollar figure from the cents yeah. of it all. Yeah. And so I want to challenge you this morning, as you look at that picture, just for a second, Many of you have these thoughts going through your head, and here's the problem. Some of us automatically disqualify ourselves because the cost, you thought it was too much because you put a period where he put a comma. And you won't even sign up for a seven-day scuba adventure because you think there's no way you can come up with that amount because it costs too much. The other problem is some of you look at that and say, Pastor, I don't have a clue how to scuba dive, so that automatically eliminates me. So the cost of the picture and your current knowledge and abilities represented in that picture, you think you've been completely disqualified from going on the adventure of a lifetime. But here's the difference. In the spiritual realm and in the things of God, you have disqualified yourself from going to the fullness in the same way. It may cost me too much and I don't have the knowledge and the abilities to do all those things. Well, we're going to get to the fullness today. I'm going to show you how to get to the fullness today as we read this story out of 2 Kings chapter 2. Let's kick it off in verse 1. And it says, "Now when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, and Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal, and Elijah said to Elijah, please stay here." Excuse me, when Elijah said to Elijah, When Elijah said to Elisha, please stay here for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. Everybody say, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel and the sons of the prophets were there in Bethel. And they came out to Elisha and said to him, do you know that today that the Lord will take your master from over you? And he said, yes, I know. Keep it quiet. (laughs) It's kind of like, you know, whenever you've been going through a bad time. And then somebody who is in a good spiritual place, they truly are, like the prophets, they're prophets because they're a reason, you know? But they step in and they tell you something that you already know, right? Yeah. And so this is what Elisha was saying. Hey, listen, I know, shut up, <laughs> right? Because he knew it. And he, the, the Bible puts it in more polite terms, okay? I'm talking real here. And so in that, he said, I know, yes, keep quiet. And Elijah said to him, Elisha, please stay here. For the Lord has sent me to Jericho. Everybody say Jericho. Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho and the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he answered, Yes, I know. Shut up. (laughs) And then Elijah said to him, Please stay here. For the Lord has sent me to the Jordan, but as he said it, but, but he said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Now I'm going to draw a conclusion here that sometimes when God is asking you to stay, he wants to see if you'll really follow. Sometimes he's wanting to see if you're really going to press in because you really want it. You know, I love the story of Jacob in the Old Testament where he's wrestling with God and said, I'm not going to let go till you bless me. You know, I'm not letting go. I love the story of you, Ruth and Naomi. Naomi says, go on home, go back to your people. She said, I ain't leaving you. We came into covenant because I married your son. Your people are my people and my people are your people. I'm not leaving you. And some of you got to develop a spirit that says, God, I'm not letting go. I'm staying with you and I'm staying where you've got me and I'm pressing in and I'm grabbing hold and I'm going along. And and sometimes I think God just wants to see how long you're going to press in. Not because he's being mean, not because he's trying to test you, because he's building stamina and perseverance for your new place of grace. He wants to make sure that you're willing to go in with him to the place that he's calling you into. And we'll get more into that in just a second. So this morning, I want to encourage you, if you're about to give up and let go, I'm going to tell you to hang on to God, not hang on to your situation, hang on to God. If you think you're at the end of your rope saying, God, I may let go of my problem, but I'm grabbing hold of both hands with you. Because the problem is if you're still holding on to your problem, you're not having both hands on the father. That's it. That's good. That's it. And so you got to grab hold with everything you got to the heavenly father and say, we're going to this, to this place. Yeah. So he said, we're going to go to Bethel. He said, we're going to go to Jericho. Both times he said, stay. He said, I'm going to the Jordan. He said, stay. Elisha said, listen, I'm going. And you want to know how I can draw that conclusion? Because the prophet Elijah did not rebuke Elisha for going with him. That's right. That's good. He didn't bring down a rebuke. He, said, he didn't say, thus sayeth the Lord, you have disobeyed the voice of God. Uh-huh. You know, there wasn't a rebuke. Right. And every time through it, it says, so they went on. Well, Some of you got to just hang on and quit giving up so quick in your life. Quit giving up on the things God has for you. Man, I could go way off on that, but I'm going to get back on track. And so verse 7, 50 men of the sons of the prophet who also went and stood at some distance from them as they both were standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his cloak and rolled it up and struck the water and the water was parted to one side and to the other till the two of them could go over on dry ground. And when he had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask, now here we go, You want to know how I know he wasn't mad? He said, ask me something. Uh What you want God to answer for you. See, when you press in, you can start getting answers. But if you give up, you'll never have the opportunity to even ask. And it says, when, when they crossed, Elisha said, ask, what shall I do for you before I am taken from you? And Elisha said, please let there be a double portion of your spirit upon me. And he said, you have asked a hard thing. Yet, if you see me as I am being taken from you, it shall be for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be. And as they went up and and as they still went on and talked, behold, the chariots of fire and the horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up and a whirlwind into heaven and Elisha saw it and cried, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more and he took hold of his own clothes and he tore them to pieces and he took up the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood at the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the cloak that Elijah had that had fallen from him and struck the water saying where is the Lord the God of Elijah and when he struck the water the water had parted to one side and to the other and Elisha went over the Jordan now, I don't want us to get sidetracked as I, as I preach this message because a lot of people preach this message and say, oh, I want a double portion. Why do you want a double portion of the Old Testament when God says I've opened up the heavens of the New Testament? So we're not asking for a double portion. We're going to the fullness of God. And God has more for you than Old Testament anointing. The stories of the Old Testament are great for principles and great for building, but don't desire what was in the Old Testament when Jesus died for you to have all that the kingdom of heaven offers when he said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I believe God, if you're a believer, there can be an open heaven over your life where he can move in your life in a real and mighty way, even no matter how dark the circumstances you are going through. And so get ready because we don't want just a double portion. We want the fullness of what the father has now as we jump into this I want to talk about the three locations it said first follow him to Bethel Uh follow him to Bethel Bethel means house of God and some of you you're doing great you're coming to the house of God and I want to encourage you to keep coming to the house of God but here's the thing as you come to the house of God coming to the house of God may be a starting point and a direction point not the be-all end-all to the answer to your problem The reason you need to keep coming to the house of God is to keep getting direction for your life. To stay in the atmosphere of believers who want to walk with you through things. Who want to encourage you through things. Who when you say you hear something that is contrary to scripture, they're able to stand with you and say, You know, I, I hear what you're saying, but the scripture says this. But when you hear something that's according to the will and word of God, you got people to back you up and press you on and push you in and get you to where you're called to be. The house of God is a great place to come and you need to come consistently to get direction for your life from God. This is why it says, do not forsake the fellowship of believers. It says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of their God. This is where the Bible talks in the New Testament. Zion is the representation of the local church. Okay, so so it's where God would speak to his people in a corporate setting as he speaks to you individually in a corporate setting of your life. And so I want to encourage you, but what if the direction you get in the house of God isn't what you wanted for the moment that you're in? Now, I want him to put that picture back up on the screen of the scuba diver in the pool. And we said the two things that deter us from going into the fullness is cost and knowledge and understanding. See, what happens when you come to the house of God and you don't get the miracle you were looking for, but you get a message of direction? See, a lot of us would rather buy a latte than buy a book. You're struggling in some area of your life, but you'll go to Starbucks and buy a latte and talk about your problem and you won't go buy a book to give you an answer. See, see, we don't like the direction. God says, get into the quiet place. Come into the secret place of the Most High. I'll show you something. I'll give you wisdom and knowledge and understanding that you don't have. If you'll get into my book, if you'll get into this, if you'll start studying and reading, it'll give you a great foundation for where I'm trying to take you. What happens when he gives you direction and you didn't want direction, you wanted a miracle? See, the church is so big on wanting a miracle to get them out of their moment, but sometimes he wants you to get you, give you direction to get you into a movement. And I don't want just a miracle for my moment. I want a direction that will put me into a movement or a flow of God that will keep me growing and building in the knowledge of God. And so as you read this, I want you to buy a book, buy the Bible, not buy a latte, find a place to get into the presence of God, because the foundations you get in this book are empowered by the Holy Spirit, and the Bible says this, this word is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, and so as you read this, he'll speak to you for today's revelation, even though this was wrote several thousand years ago, over thousands of years. Uh But because we've neglected the book and we want to stand for a miracle... Some of us aren't getting either one and we think God's abandoned us. My challenge to you is go to the book. book. Buy a book, not a latte. Because some of us will spend all of our money buying things that keep us in our current situation and never investing into something that will get us to our final destination where he's truly called us to be. And as you read this book called the Bible, the infallible word of God, it will start imparting truths into your life. And as it imparts truth into your life, the Holy Spirit, because it says worship the Lord in spirit and in truth, get in his presence in spirit and in truth, the Holy Spirit will take these words and begin to formulate them in your life and start building strength in your life to get your momentary mess turning around to get you in the direction to where he's called you to be. And see, some of us, because we look at this picture and because lack of a knowledge and lack of understanding we never get in the water. Never forget when I started taking scuba diving class. How many of y'all scuba diving here? If you have Good, I got some people in the house. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Well, the first day I walked into class and going to scuba diving class, man, I had my pack on me. Man, we had our fins in there. We had our snorkel in there. We had our mask in there. And you walked in and you see all the, the air tanks sat up down the side. And they had the vests on them with the BCDs on them. They had it all good to go. And the teacher, we walked in, we're all excited. The teacher said, good, sit down at a desk and open the book. I was not happy in the moment. (laughs) I wanted to get into the water. I wanted the miracle to happen. I wanted to walk into class and be an immediate scuba diver all of a sudden. But the scuba diver instructor had a a great purpose. He said, I need you to find out and get fundamentally down what is in the book because if I just throw you in the deep water now, the deep water is so deep, the deep water can kill you. Uh, Have you ever thought God may be holding some of the deep things of himself back because you haven't had a foundation to walk it out and it can actually kill you? Yeah. Have you ever read in the Old Testament when they went into the holy, most holy place and they, they were unauthorized and they didn't make it out so well? <laughs> yeah. When they were carrying into the ark to the city of Jerusalem and, and the guy reached out and touched it when God said nobody touches it and then okay some of y'all think well that's all Old Testament let's talk about Ananias and Sapphira in the New Testament Go ahead. I'm just saying God will in His great grace in your place of grace hold them some things back so you can get foundationally and fundamentally prepared to bring you into the deeper things so you can minister in it and not just sit in it and he wants to get you to the deep places of him but first he says you got to get an understanding of what's in my book and so we opened the book and about the third week we finally got in the water and you know what is a pool four feet deep so we didn't drown He said, I just want you to just get in the pool and you'll walk and it'll only come up to my chest, other people's waist, amen, come on. (laughs) And he said, I want you to go face down and I just want you to figure out how to float. And he began to walk us into deeper water. See, you come to the house of God just like Elijah and Elijah Elijah came to the house of God to get direction. It may not be your be-all, end-all, but if you'll keep coming long enough, you'll continue to get continued direction to get you where you're called to be in your life. And I want to encourage you. And so as they came to the house of God, it says they got to Bethel. And then the next thing they got direction, it said they had to go to Jericho. It said, follow him to Jericho. And he said, don't come to me with Jericho. But Elisha said, listen, I'm going with you to Jericho. And so they went on together, and as they got to Jericho, Jericho is a unique place. Jericho is a place of the greatest battle in the history of all of Israel. It's where they came across the Jordan River, and it was the first place they were going to take. It was the greatest stronghold in the land at the times. Jeff's done research. uh, Pastor Jeff's done research where they had chariot races on top of the walls of Jericho. That's how big the walls were. And God said, you've got to go back and visit that place, the place of greatest battle. Now I want to clarify something, God's not going to bring you to rehearse all the battles of your past to get you to your future. It is representative of as you're moving forward there's probably a great battle you may have to step into. There's probably a great fight that you're going to have to step into. There's probably something approaching as they walk to Jericho, I'm sure they were rehearsing the story of Jericho, Joshua have I not told you be strong and courageous. (laughs) And Elisha's looking at him, why are you telling me this? Because I need you to be strong and courageous. There's something about to happen because you heard the other prophets say, I'm about to be taken from you. So I'm telling you, I'm rehearsing this story of our past victories to show you what you're fixing to walk through. All Come right, on. Right. Some of you need to start rehearsing your past victories to give you strength to go into your current situation. Right, Man, I, got, I need three hours to do this. Come on. I'm gonna, <laughs> Holy Spirit, work this thing. Come on. And so, as they were going along, they went to the place of greatest battle. But the actual meaning for Jericho, like Bethel is house of God, Jericho, the closest reference they can get to is its moon. They're not really sure, but out of all the study and research that, that Strong's Concordance has done, and they're way more knowledgeable than I am, but pulling up, and its reference was its moon. And I began to pray about this, and I said, God, how do these two go together? How do these things fit together? What's taking place right here that I need to see that you can show your people? And God began to show me this. Joel, as you're going to the place of greatest battle, it's going to seem like it's always darkest before the dawn. dawn. Sorrow may last for the night, but joy comes in the Morning come on, you know these things and so when you're in the midst of it in the darkest place And they visited a place of Jericho the place of greatest battle and the reference is its moon When even you're in the darkest place of the darkest hour when our reference is everything looked like it's night The moon only shines because it's reflecting from the Sun. Amen The moon in is itself is a reflection to show you that as long as you see the moon at night The sun's still shining on the other side of the world. Amen. So God is saying in this moment, as long as you can still see signs of me working, don't give up because I'm not finished with you yet. And some of you got to pick your head up from your battle and look to the heavens and say, God, show me what you're doing. Amen. And look at what he's already shown. Listen, I'm telling you, don't jump into astronomy or any of that stuff. Okay, I'm not telling you any of that. Astronomy, astrology, John, help me out. Astrology, that's why I I knew I'd mess it up. Astronomy is the study of the stars. Astrology is the belief in the stars that they dictate your life. You can look up and see the signs in the heavens and say, if that's still there and existing, God's still on his throne and still moving, but don't study the stars and try to get direction from the stars because everything else seems lost, amen? So I want to encourage you, as long as the moon is still there at night in your place of Jericho, there's a sun still shining on the other side of the earth, and all you got to do is just wait just a little bit, and the earth is going to spin on its axis, and you're going to come around, and eventually you'll be standing underneath the sun again, and you're on your way out of your current situation, on your way to your final destination. But a lot of us want to camp out because it's night, and it ain't working good for us. We love the stories of Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, right? Right? Uh, follow me real quick. We love the stories of Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, right? I I mean, we love it. When did Jesus show up or the fourth man in the fire show up? It wasn't before they got thrown in. It wasn't when they were getting bound up. It wasn't when they were firing up seven times hotter. It wasn't when they got to the edge. It's when they were in the middle of the fire that they finally saw a fourth one in the fire, the appearance of the Son of God himself. See, some of y'all ain't even to the fire yet, and you're crying out, oh, God, why haven't you rescued me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <that's> good. <laughs> but you've also been praying, God, show me something I've never seen. Well, you're going to have to go to a place you ain't ever gone. <laughs> and in that moment, you got to be okay when the sky looks black, and it's as dark as night, and you're in the middle of a place of greatest battle called Jericho, and you feel all alone, all by yourself, and you think that nothing good is going to come out of this, and I don't even know what you're doing, God. But in the midst of that... <laughs> I'm telling you, Jesus is going to show up. He's going to be there. Uh Listen, i got the greatest wife in the world, but there are times that I'm going through trials, and I feel all alone, even though she's right there next to me, supporting me the whole way, patting me on my back, saying, you're doing good, keep pressing on, but there's nothing she can do for me in the moment. It's a place of aloneness with God. Okay? I got the greatest sons in the world. They are blessings from the Lord and as much as they want to play Legos with me and go do fun stuff with me, I'll go do fun stuff, but it's still there's this burden, this loneliness that's there. And there's nothing they can do to get me out of it. i got the greatest staff and elder group in the world that supports me, that lifts me up, that encourages me, that challenges me to press on and go into the deeper things of God and the farther things of God. But there's even a time when God says, Joel, i got to take you to a place of further still. And you're going to feel real alone for a little bit. They're all still there supporting you. they all still got your back. But I've got to do something with you that'll change you because when you begin to change, then it opens the door for everything else to begin to change. It's the same thing if you are in your family. Wives, sometimes God's got to change you because he's got to get you to a place for your whole family to be blessed. Same thing with husbands. Sometimes he's got to get you to a place, but in that moment, don't shut out everybody around you. Don't close the doors on everybody around you. Keep them all wide open. Just realize I'm in my place in the moment where I may be in the midst of the fire, but God's fixing to show up. See, we love the story of Daniel in the lion's den. It wasn't until in the den (laughs) did the angels come to shut the mouths of the lion's. It didn't happen before it. It wasn't until Paul and Silas were in prison and in the midst of their darkest night singing praise to him. See, some of you want your and suddenly's to happen and you ain't even got the, 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 the motion started. You know, a, a lot of people look at TWBC and say, wow, look at what God has done in your church overnight. Your overnight took me 18 years. Come on now. I'm just saying. But in the midst of that 18 years, God's been moving, He's been blessing, and I've gone through several of these Jericho places in my life. And in that, yeah, (laughs) lions, dens, come on. But in that, I've learned to recognize He hasn't forgotten me. He hasn't left me alone. It may be dark in the moment. The battle battle may be great in the moment. Uh But in the midst of it, He shows up. I'll never forget a few months ago when I... Uh, me and my wife were on our anniversary vacation, 15 years married. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Loving it. And we were scuba diving, and there was this team of six of us that were all going in, and as we went in the the water, we were all swimming around as a group of six and stuff like that. And then I noticed this one guy veering off, big Russian dude. He was awesome. I loved him. And he veered off by himself. And the rule in scuba diving is you never let somebody go off by themselves. So I took off and just started following him. And the other four went on, and we got separated. My wife didn't know the story till first service this morning, so. <laughs> and we got separated, so it was just us two. And all of a sudden, as he's looking around, you can just see the panic take over him underwater. And he looks up, and he didn't see the group, and he didn't see the team leader. And, he start, and he's kind of standing on the ground, so all the dust is being stirred up under his feet. And this cloud is happening around. And finally, he turns all the way around, and he sees me. Amen. Thank yeah. He wasn't my dive buddy. But I wasn't going to leave him alone. Jesus is the ultimate dive buddy. You may be swimming off by yourself somewhere and not even realize you're veering off from the crew. But in the midst, when you stop in the panic, you're going to look around and Jesus will be right there in a moment. He's going to tell you everything you need to know. And I'm telling you, I don't know what some of y'all are going through. And y'all are big on my heart this morning this couple right here in the front, y'all are huge on my heart. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what struggles you're in, but when you're going to have a moment in the next week when you're going to look up and realize it's all going to be okay, and I don't know what that means for you guys, but I know he's going to do something in your life, so, so I'm telling you, the sorrow may last for the night, but the joy's here. It's coming, and in the midst of it, and, and you're, you're, you're there, and you're looking up, and you're saying, God, he's going to show himself to you. Okay? So I'm going to challenge you. Don't give up on it. Don't, whatever it is, don't give up on it. And so then, after they go to the place of greatest battle, and as you look at that picture, throw that scuba diving picture back up there one more time. You see the picture, and you see the cost. Some of you, you are wanting a marriage miracle rather than marriage ministry in your life. When God says, sometimes I've got to take you to the place of greatest battle so you recognize what you actually got, so I can have a foundation to actually build on. Because in building the foundation of a marriage ministry, you're going to affect other people in their marriages in a positive way, where if he gave you the miracle in the moment, if he gave you the miracle right now, you would look around and two days later, you'd be in your same financial problem, you'd be seeing the same argument problems happen, you'd be seeing the same issues happen, because you didn't learn anything. You didn't go through anything. Remember the first one was our knowledge and ability. He wants you to learn something, but sometimes there's a cost to your learning to get it there. And then he goes on and says, follow me to the Jordan. Now, this is where it gets good. This is where it gets fun. Oh, man, I'm already so late. Lord help us. And I'm going to tell you this. As you're following Him to the river, to the fullness, if you're not willing to go with Him to the place of greatest battle, you'll never be able to stand with Him in the fullness of His presence. Some of y'all need to let the depth of that sink in. If you're not willing to walk with Him through the place of greatest battle, you'll never be able to stand with Him in the fullness of His presence. Because His presence is so much greater than any battle you're going to face. His presence is so much more powerful. So some of you may need to be thinking, as I'm walking through, maybe he's building my strength and stamina to stand in a greater measure of his presence. Stand in a greater measure of his power. Stand in a greater place of the fullness so I can look back at somebody else's place and realize they got, I got grace. That now that I've experienced this, I can get them from there to their next place of grace. To their next place of power. And so, as we're reading this, the Bible says... Elisha was there in that moment, the place of greatest battle. His place of of greatest battle had just arrived. It says, my father, my father, the chariots and the horsemen came. And the Bible says it came in a whirlwind and chariots brought him up to heaven. Uh You know, he didn't stand there and celebrate. What did he do? I believe it looked like this. He fell to his knees and began to cry out so much, he tore his clothes. It says. He tore his garments off of him. And when he tore his garments off of him, so that was his lowest, deepest, darkest place. His mentor had gone. Everything was gone. The prophet stayed on the other side of the river. They didn't, he was all alone. All alone. Yeah. But in the moment after he tore his garments, he looked over and saw the answer to his prayer. Yeah. That's good. He saw the cloak that had fallen. See, he didn't know his answer was there. Because uh-huh. remember, Elijah said, if you see me taken up to heaven... But in the moment, he wasn't rejoiced that he saw him. He actually must have forgot his prayer because he tore his clothes and started lamenting. Uh-huh. But he looked over and said, Oh, the answer to my prayer happened in the place of greatest battle. And yeah. says he took up the cloak of Elijah and walked to the river. Rolled it up yeah. and says, Now God, Lord of Elijah, uh-huh. bang, he hit the water. The water separated, and he walked through. You want to know how you know when you've been to the river? It's not what's coming into you, it's what's flowing out of you. It's when you come back to the same river you just crossed and you didn't do the work the second time, but the work you saw somebody else doing, you begin to do. What we see Jesus doing, we begin to do. We take up the very mantle that Jesus walked in and we begin to walk in it and do the same things here in the earth. You can tell what's flowing if you've been to the river by what's flowing out of you in the moment. Uh I'll phrase it in a different way. It's not so much what you get into this building to show that you've had an encounter with God as what flows out of you tomorrow at work. See, it was a work day for Elisha. (laughs) And they wanted to know, did he come up with the mantle of God? And it's by what flowed out of him did all the other prophets see? The spirit of Elisha is now on Elijah. The spirit of Jesus is now on Elijah. You, and the workplace you go to tomorrow wants to see if you had an encounter with God today in the moment of place of greatest battle, and they'll know it by what flows out of you tomorrow. That's right. yeah. You'll walk into work, what? I thought they were on, on the verge of divorce on Friday. And you're walking in, oh, happy day. Come <laughs> on. They're thing is, she really did leave? <laughs> well, God did a miracle. Amen. And where we stand is because God did a miracle. Where we stand is because we've been in an an encounter with God. We've seen his presence. We've seen his face. And me and Pastor Mitch were talking this past weekend. And and when he looked up presence, and presence, the the true definition of it is the face of God. So every time we say in the church, oh, we want your presence, we want your face. That's what we're saying. Come into his presence. Come to his face. Come Come up to it. Stand in His face. Not in a disrespect, but stand there before the face of the Father. Worship team, come. Ministers, come. Some of you are here in the house of God today and you're needing direction. You are in the right place. And I pray God has spoken to your heart here this morning. I pray that He's given you direction for right where you're at. I pray that He's given you direction for your place in life. That doesn't mean because you've got direction for one day, you don't come back next Sunday. It means you come back every single week as much as possible to continue to get specified direction for your life, specified places in your life that He's trying to take you and call you. But some of you today are in your place of greatest battle. And I'm telling you, the moon's still out, it's a reflection of the sun. I'm telling you today that the place of your greatest battle is not trying to be your ending, but it is the place where you take off the old place of grace and you pick up your new place of grace to walk into the fullness of the river that he's calling you to. I'm telling you, in that place, when you'll trust God with that moment, when you'll trust God like that on every level, God's going to begin to take you to the new place of grace.